I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So when I say we've invested, it means the crowd has invested. So uh, we as a facilitator have uh, combined those investments. I think we're getting close to 175 million in euros, mostly into renewables, agriculture, and financial inclusion sectors, really from your traditional microfinance into commercial and industrial solar, uh, solar home systems, biogas digesters, you name it. There's still in these markets such a huge opportunity. If you have the funding and you have the right mindset, of course, it is very easy to grow. Martin Riese is a water sommelier to the stars. I'd heard of this once and thought it was silly too, but then I stumbled onto an interview of his on an old Nick is not green video. And yeah, let's just say that if you come to my house this summer, I'll probably be able to offer you a choice of exotic mineral waters. I am incredibly privileged. I have all the clean water I need piped right into my house. And so I can amuse myself with naturally sparkling spring waters with sky high TDS numbers. But for most of the world, that's not the case. In Kampala, Uganda, Florence is an entrepreneur who sells drinking water to her neighborhood, now from a bigger tank she acquired via a lease-to-own program. The underlying credit for that lease was funded by European impact investors through Lenderhand. In rural Kyrgyzstan, Farida used a microloan to buy a cow, a cow whose milk she sells for extra income, a microloan that was funded by... European impact investors through Lenderhand. Welcome to How to Lend Money to Strangers with Brendan LaGrange. Adrian Skiphorst, data lead at Lenderhand. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Lenderhand is a different sort of lender to what I normally cover on the show. And you've got a different sort of a background. So before we talk about the work you're doing to empower entrepreneurs in the developing world, let's talk about Adrian Skipos, the student of physics, and Adrian Skipos, the journalist. How did your career begin? So I had a on and off relationship with uh, physics as a student. And uh, during my final year of my bachelor's, I decided to uh, go into popular scientific writing or maybe sometimes a less scientific and just popular <laughs> advice so it was uh, pretty proud at one moment to have the the most read article advice of all time why non-ginger men have ginger beards <laughs> uh, and after that short escapade i did a bit of student consulting and then decided to still do my masters in physics anyway and that led me to caltech where I'd worked on uh, experimental physical systems, mostly to do with vibrations and a lot of numerical modeling. And after it, I decided to leave California, leave physics and go into the impact investing scene. Yeah, which is quite a, a change from yeah, talking about and writing about emerging technologies, robotics, uh, autonomous vehicles, all sorts of cool things from the headlines to going into impact investment. I guess there's a lot of threads that link them, but also 
very different in some ways. So what inspired that pivot? No, absolutely. Personally, I was looking for something that had a positive impact. I was looking for something that had anything to do with technology. And I was also looking for a like, start, scale-up type company. And in the end, like Lenderhand sort of fit all three, apart from the technology, which was more software-oriented, right? Uh, uh, fintech or platformy instead of like a physical product that I was like yeah. more writing about. Uh, indeed, uh, I'd done quite a lot of work on like folding objects, uh, even space. I'd been to this like super cool personal tour of the JPL facilities from NASA. So I'd seen a couple of things, but Lenden did fit the, the impact story great, the right phase of a company that I wanted to join growing. And it still had this technology component that they were really enthusiastic for me to work on. Yeah, and um, we talk about impact investing. You do see a lot of interesting stuff happening in green energy in general in Africa and developing world. Uh, drones delivering all sorts of things around Africa now at the moment as well. So I guess there's also a lot more to impact than just you know loans for, for small purchases. But before we talk about the projects and, and things you're doing, maybe we take a step back at what is Lend a Hand and, and what is their sort of vision and goal in the world? Absolutely. So Lenden is a crowdfunding platform. Well, we started out in, uh, in the Netherlands, a European crowdfunding platform by now. And it's on a mission to fight poverty in emerging markets by investing in people and businesses. So the model has always been to connect retail investors, first in the Netherlands, but now uh, in Europe with companies in emerging markets. We started off in Southeast Asia, but then actually pivoted to focus mostly on Africa for a number of years. And now we're in about 40 countries invested over, I think we're getting close to 175 million in euros. So when I say we've invested, it means the crowd has invested. Yeah. So uh, we as a facilitator have combined those investments, mostly into renewables, agriculture and financial inclusion sectors, really from your traditional microfinance institution to commercial and industrial solar, uh, solar home systems, biogas, digesters, you name it. Yeah, and it's a remarkable amount of money. Think, well, we're going to raise $100 or $1,000. What impact will it make? And you indeed start from 10 euros per person. So we're not talking people coming in with tens of thousands. When you hear just how much money has been moved, you realize, oh, actually, this does make a difference. I've had Kiva on the show before, and I think Kiva are quite well known and at least the way they tell the story is very peer-to-peer. -peer. So I give $10, $10 goes to the cause, and hopefully there's enough $10 that that person benefits. But you work more on an investment pool that as a consumer with my 10 euros to spare, I put that into an investment pool, and then that is lent over to a local partner to, to do the on-the-ground work. That was the initial model. So there's a couple of key differences i think for example if you compare it to the to the kiva model that is more a let's say revolving donation based model and lendahand from the start has been an investing platform i think also the differences in volumes if you look at what do people donate in a year and what do people invest right investing depending on of course your funds but usually it will for most people be 10 maybe 20% of what they earn Whereas donation is more maybe around Christmas, uh, you give to someone that comes to your door. It's, it's a much smaller amount of money. So we, we do target people that want to do good with their money right, by investing. And then separately, indeed, we did start off by also working with this sort of direct model where you see the end client. But 
that is always a way to connect to the people that you invest in. Whereas we work directly with these microfinance institutions. Uh, but these microfinance institutions or now uh, fintechs that essentially do the same, they go through a pretty intensive due diligence process also on the impact side of things. And then through them, they can fund their own end clients. Since 2016, 2017-ish, we also started direct lending. So then you have to think about the renewable energy uh, sectors or the agriculture sectors where we directly fund companies and it's most of it is working capital related, right? So it's financing the purchasing of solar panels so they can install them and then charge customers for them so they can pay back the loan. Whereas with a microfinance institution, it might be funding portfolio growth so they can set out more loans. Yeah, and I think it's a... Like a really important distinction to make because there's a lot of unintended negative consequences of a charity model. And I, so my area of expertise, I won't go into it, but the one that does sort of apply to the lending world is that it's given away, not expecting to come back, which is fine, but it's not a multiplier versus the mindset that says this money is to invest. Of course, it doesn't guarantee success, but it does encourage somebody to work towards building a business, building impact, building growth in, in the market. So I think it's fundamentally a stronger way to, to put money into, into these projects. Yeah, I believe so too. And I think what's interesting with the partner model as well is that when you think about where the buck stops you know, in a business, who's accountable, a clearer, more transparent model also is better from that, that we are actually seeing where the money's going and maybe the best story isn't the best investment of money. No, absolutely. And I think it's it's very important to note because it is from a marketing point of view and from an investing point of view, it's great to see that client. And I've done a number of personal visits and it is very good to see the, the, the money going somewhere and good being done with it. But it's also important to note that people that invest on land hand are mostly retail investors. So the higher you make the risk, you come to lend a hand for the impact investing, and then you go towards the company that's, that speaks to you most, right? The, the energy project in, let's say, Mozambique. I've just finished a restructuring deal with a company in, in Mozambique, which was long and difficult. The country had been hit by a typhoon, then a civil war, and then a pandemic. And that background info doesn't necessarily reflect all at once on a project page of an investment that you think does good. The money will go to a place where it's definitely needed. But that risk is hard to translate to retail investors. So you have to strike a fine balance yeah. between sort of fund type investing that you can do by investing in a portfolio of a microfinance institute and the direct type of investing. Because people love direct investments, but they're also risky. Yeah. Let's talk about some of those projects. 3,000 projects I see done and, and probably more by now. The first thing, and it makes me smile when I think about it, is uh, I think end of 2021, we did a site visit, also a due diligence visit to East Africa. So we did a two-week trip. And in Uganda, we visited EFC Uganda, which stands for Entrepreneur Financial Center, what we would call a, like a traditional MFI, right? So they have multiple offices throughout the city. The one we visited was in Kampala. And it's a small office building and entrepreneurs go there to apply for a loan, okay, yeah. right? So you go, you go to a, a bank till, you apply for the loan, two or three weeks, you get it or you don't get it. There's not a lot of automation at this level. You have a, a loan officer and you get the loan. And we visited Richard, who had a chicken farm about an hour away from the city. 
Uh, he, he came greeting us and they usually don't allow visitors on the farm because of hygiene. And he visited us and he told me that he had gotten his computer science degree. He showed it to his dad and a day later he started with 65 uh, chickens to start his chicken farm. And by now I think he'd gotten about eight to 10,000 uh, <laughs> chickens every, every six or eight weeks. So he had definitely grown. And I just love this energy. And it was inspiring to see that yeah. uh, that's possible through these loans, right? To see uh, a very bright young man go from a completely different field, which resonated with me, into <laughs> seeing an opportunity, right? Into working as a sort of contractor for this large um, chicken processing company. That's an example, right, of seeing directly how there's still in these markets such a huge opportunity. Yeah. If you have the funding and you have the right mindset, of course, it is very easy to grow. But I think it speaks really well to that scale because, you know, this is not about helping Richard to go from not being able to feed his family to being able to feed his family, which is a type of charity that is often needed. But it's taking Richard from 60 birds to 8,000 birds. It's building a business that, that knocks on to the, you know, the community in obviously very direct ways, but also indirect ways. We're having role models out there that have done this can only be good to produce even more entrepreneurs and even more people with that sort of drive to see a way to yeah to replicate his success no absolutely and you do see the trickle down effect there because like he started by himself and now he employs around uh, 25 people so that brings direct jobs into a country that desperately needs them Maybe another fun example, because it's completely on the opposite mm -hmm. side of things. See, when I joined uh, the first company I, I onboarded was Funding Societies, which is a very large SME lending platform, the largest in Southeast Asia. Yeah. And so far, we've done around seven and a half million uh, with them. And this is a completely different concept, right? So their way of working is like a, like a true fintech. And you apply for a loan. And depending on the size, you get it within a minute. And if it's a large loan, uh, up to a million, you can get it within a day, right? So this is not only a way for us to work with upcoming technology, but also realizing that it's the next level of a, let's say, microfinance institute or the next level of financial inclusion. Because we do realize that the time it takes to get a loan is important, yeah. especially for young companies, right? If you have to wait on a loan, if Richard would have to wait nine months for every loan, then he could have done, you know, another six business cycles. Yeah, yeah. The time is also representative of how much manual input is in these. And it was interesting talking to Noreen Hyatt, who's one of the fintech drivers of Pakistan. And she was talking about the cost of lending, how it used to be in the MFI model. And we do sort of think, oh, it, the interest rates were high because risk was high. Actually, no, it was high because processing costs were so high that no matter what you did, there was kind of a minimum 20 30% interest rate just to cover all the manual steps and the fact you're doing very small loans in very distributed places. If we can find ways to do it quickly, it also means we found ways to do them digitally and efficiently. And that means we can bring down interest rates to something that, that's uh, affordable. And if people go to lenderhand.com, they can see the projects. There's a couple up there that are being funded now, but also past projects have seen things like, well, small loans to entrepreneurs, but loans for in installing power backups, solar panels, equipping uh, entrepreneurs with electric motorbikes, all sorts of projects. So you could get involved if it's a region you're interested in or a type of technology or an impact you're interested in. There's a lot to, to choose from there. But while I've got you here as well as the data lead, I'm quite interested in what the world of data looks like 
uh, in this space. Now, I've not worked directly in this segment of the market, but when I was working in kind of high street finance in markets like Kenya and Botswana that are kind of middle, but let's just call them developing countries. There's certainly ones that are more developing still. But even then, in a market like Kenya, working for a bank who's got international offices, there was very little data available, uh, to the point that sometimes you're talking about getting printed out copies of receipts and trying to add something in and capture the data. That was 15 years ago, which is not, you know, not a lifetime ago. But what does the world look like now where we've got micro lenders doing loans in minutes? Um, you've got to try and keep a watch over a world of different countries, different levels of development, different languages. What sort of data do you get to see at LenderHand? But then also maybe some of the highlights that you're seeing coming out of that. It has definitely been a journey. LenderHand was my, my first job and I came from a world in, from physics. And most of the data that I worked with, I produced myself in a simulated environment, right? So everything is perfect. As you just mentioned, and definitely in the finance and investments world, data is never perfect. So you really have to adjust to that and also work with the people that really are using and making use of it and uh, typing in their Excels and uh, working with PDFs. And indeed, I've had like audited reports in French from West Africa being sent sort of in a, at a 30 degree angle <laughs> from a fax machine yeah. from a cashew processing company, you know, all, all of it with, with handwritten notes on it. So there's a lot that has happened in the past three years. The first step for every company, no matter how big you are, is mapping that and trying to get to a type of uniformity to get to a set of rules uh, where you have to say, okay, we have to make an agreement on the level of uh, detail you're asking for and the level of uniformity and how general our benchmark, our KPIs, our financial metrics uh, are going to be. Because if you ask for everything, you will get everything in the end, but you'll also have to do all of it yourself and every single company will be different. Like you don't need AI, you don't need a super cool app for it. You need to get to a conclusion of, 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 hey, I know you want to get this highly specific metric for this company because you think it's the most relevant. But if you leave in two years, no one will understand why you ever asked for it, right? So it's this mix of trying to get people with a finance background to work with people with a development background, yeah. right? And I try to be the, the, the man in the middle. Um, so what we've mostly been doing over the past years is, among others, because we got a, a grant from USAID to work on automation, on working with uh, third-party vendors to optimize processes of making sure we can work through that data and get it into standardized setups to make sure we can evaluate that data automatically. Let's say we, we meet a company, right? Uh, you can just send an email, or you can ask for information automatically. The way you parse that information can be done in every possible way imaginable. Yeah. But right now, we're actually in the process of using ChatGPT to allow our investments team to ask questions to their documents, right? Which I see as one of the greatest uh, opportunities for like this super difficult emerging market uh, lending, uh, working with such a diverse number of companies and diverse sectors. If you can have this personal AI assistant, yeah. then please use it for good, right? And there are so many things that are possible right now. But also looking at standardizing the data uh, for reporting, 
We started working with a company called Atlas, sort of was born out of a European initiative to standardize microfinance institution data reporting. And they've set up a data platform that actually allows companies to report once and then share with other investors in one time. These can be small things, but to me, like coming from a non-financial background, like seeing that companies have to send almost the same report to all of their investors, it was just so painful. Yeah. You know, that, that everyone is asking for, oh no, but I want you to fill my Excel template. Yes, and that Excel template may have been done on a whim by somebody a few years ago who just, that's how they wrote it. They didn't know somebody else asked almost the same thing. Exactly. In a different way. Yeah, it, it used to be such a pain. So it's great to hear that there are these initiatives to bring some standardization, but of course also things like ChatGPT, that, that's where it really does well, is asking it to query something and give you back a sensible answer from data that is all existing. It's all there somewhere, but it, it saves you from having to... Uh, nitpick through it so that's great to hear you've also just released the most recent impact report for lender hand and i know it's only hot off the presses but are there any major trends or storylines emerging yeah so definitely invite all the listeners to to go and read it one of the key highlights for me is not necessarily something that you see in the, the impact report on the, on the first paragraph but what do you do for example with the war in ukraine and i remember that we had a Project Life funding uh, micro capital Moldova, a uh, microfinance institution in Moldova. And I think we had launched it on like a Sunday and Monday morning, the Dutch national news broadcaster has a headliner. Will Moldova be next? Yeah. Right? That's not the greatest marketing for an <laughs> investment product that you can get. And so we had an internal discussion, right? Will we, like, do we, do we pull the project of the website? Because we always have to weigh investor risk versus what we think is right, the right balance for our crowd. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And we actually decided to leave it on there, but to allow all the initial investors already in there. Uh, we send them a, a message and we updated the project description that they could get their money out if they want, but we would keep the project on. And actually it was one of the fastest funded projects on the platform for this company. I think that's making impact, right? And that's the power that you have as a crowdfunding platform where people invest where they want to invest instead of indeed having a automated portfolio or only investing in ETFs or following the, the market. And that's the personal impact yeah. that a crowd investor can have is, okay, I see that this is high risk, but I do still feel it's important to support these institutions yeah. that are actually making the country stronger, right? It's the power of institutions in the end that, that sort of form the backbone of these countries. Yeah, and I love that 
communication to the to the investors because as you say if this was a traditional lending product a chief risk officer somewhere is going to be sitting in a room saying what if this goes wrong what's going to happen and they're going to be very conservative in their decision and act on my behalf to protect my interests as an investor which is great but maybe I was willing to take that risk and I mean I think we maybe didn't go right into the details up front but when I'm investing, when I go to lenderhand.com and I see those projects, you've got a description of the project. You've got the terms as well. The repayment is going to be this return is going to be repaid every six months for this period of time. So I've been fully informed. I've made a choice. And then you say something dramatic changes a day later. But you can get back to me and ask me how that impacts me, which most portfolios couldn't. No, absolutely. And I think that's the power of the model. Uh, it's also the difficulty of the model. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the, the direct connection to, to investors that is a power. And it's also the thing that makes it difficult. We, we are dealing with real people here, right? It's yeah. not as anonymous as uh, working for a large uh, brokerage app. This week, we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary and we'll host a big investor event. And there will be lots of investors that come to talk to us, uh, ask questions about the impact they've made, but also about their investments and investments that have gone wrong. Because, right, it, it can go wrong yeah. in these situations. We're doing as, as much as we can. We're, uh, we have multiple licenses. We have too many licenses. licenses. <laughs> we're in, we were the first in the Netherlands to get the European crowdfunding license. But actually, we used to have a, a, a MIFID II license. I'll, I won't go into the details, but it's we were licensed as an investment broker, so even more uh, compliance. So there's so many things that uh, we, we have to do uh, that it can make scaling as a platform difficult. And especially, you can imagine, working with financial institutions in emerging markets. I think a great example was going through this new license where suddenly we couldn't work with uh, Nicaragua and Uganda anymore because we went from Dutch rules to European rules. So suddenly we lost like 10 deals in our portfolio uh, and we had to stop funding existing uh, companies that we were working with in Uganda and Nicaragua. And actually, some of our best companies in terms of impact as well, I think, we were trying to really focus on, on gender and female forward companies. Great company, Micredito in uh, Nicaragua. I think uh, all female but one board uh, focusing on women loans. And then because of new regulations, this is no longer allowed. And I understand the, the regulations, on part, but it can also be very frustrating yeah. from a business point yeah. of view, right? That you just are sort of left up to the uh, decisions of the, the people up above where yeah. where the money can go. I've just been uh, recording an interview with an Azerbaijani entrepreneur who talks about how they set up their, their business in Singapore, but now it would be impossible because Azerbaijan is on a high-risk list. Yeah. There are unexpected or, or, or unavoidable negative consequences from rules that do need to be in place, but uh, unfortunate when it gets in the way of good work yeah. as well. But during this East Africa due diligence trip, uh, I also attended a conference in uh, Rwanda, and there was a big delegation from Sudan to try to promote investing in, in Sudan. And uh, the head of the central bank was there, and we talked to his uh, delegation to see if there was any opportunity to invest in a microfinance institution. And almost before the conference had ended, I think we had just returned home, a news bulletin that there was a, a civil war starting, yeah. like that the, 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 the army had taken over. So these things happen in the countries that we work with. Yeah, I guess if it wasn't risky, then the normal high street banks would be there. And I guess the curse of the doing the yeah, good work yeah. is you've got to do it in places where, where it's needed. And that's not always the, the easiest places to work. But Adrian, thank you so much for coming out today, especially amid all the transport issues. If people want to go and see some of those lender hand projects, 
if they want to download the Impact Report and just sort of learn more about impact investing and the work you're doing, uh, where's a good place for them to go to follow the story? Go to lendhand.com. We have a lovely marketing team. We have a great blog. We have newsletters, the Impact Report. Follow us on socials. We do videos, interviews with all of our uh, companies in emerging markets. So there's a lot to see and yeah. follow. Yeah, actually, I had that note and I, I forgot to say it there, but it is a fantastic blog. There really is a lot of resources in there. I did look for your byline from your journalism days, if you would, you'd be there, but I see you've uh, got other people doing the writing. But really nice writing, really nice reports, as you said, from projects about the team, just about a wide range of things. So for anyone who's interested in microfinance, in seeing what's happening in the world, whether or not you want to be directly involved, it's just a great insight into the sort of work that microfinance uh, institutions and the sort of projects that you you, you help uh, are doing from financial services to all sorts of uh, renewable energies and uh, all sorts of other interesting things. So yeah, thank you again for, for coming out and I uh, wish you the best of luck and encourage everybody to check out Lend a Hand. And if you've got 10 euros or so lying around, maybe get involved in a project. Or a bit more. Always or a bit more. <laughs> thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. Please do look for and follow the show on your favorite podcast platform and share the updates widely on LinkedIn, where lending nerds are found in our largest concentration. Plus, send me a connection request while you're there. This show is written and recorded by myself, Brendan LaGrange, in Brighton, England. Show music is by I Am Wake, and you can find show notes and written transcripts at www.howtolendmoneytostrangers.show. And I'll see you again next Thursday. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.